Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Everybody right there. Run game, pass game, offense, defense, special teams. I appreciate everyone in here. Hey, man. Hey, we answered the challenge I have, man. I told y'all. A full 60 minutes and we did that, bro. I love the hell out of every single person in here. Now let's go on a f***ing roll. Let's take care of each other. Let me just tell you something real quick. First of all, I'm getting pretty damn used to coming back in this home locker room with the same old feeling. Give it up for yourself. Yeah. I appreciate everybody. The difference between this league and our team is we got Derek Henry. Congratulations. That's what it should look like. A long way to go. Everybody with me on that? Hey, hell of a job sticking together. Hell of a job battling. Feels good to win a football game. Definitely feels win. Start again. Definitely feels good to win a football game when you haven't done it very often. I act like I haven't spoken very often on live TV slash radio slash podcast, although it's rarely ever live in that context. It's PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more, as always, at googlestore.com. Good morning, Miles Simmons. I'm here in studio. I'm into my every other week routine of making the trek from West Virginia to Stamford, Connecticut. Here with you. I get here early, like 15 minutes before showtime. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm so accustomed to like slipping into the chair just as we're in black 30 seconds before the show begins. It's kind of a weird feeling. Kind of like it, though. Kind of like it, though. Like being punctual. Good morning. Do you? Yeah. It, I, I like it because I enjoy a little cross-talk conversation just about nothing, you know, before we get going. It just it kind of sets the mood. We talked about various important things beginning with the fact yeah. that you are dressed for halloween as michael j fox from back <laughs> to the future we've established that <laughs> dork's gonna drown he's wearing his life preserver yeah yeah exactly i guess you know it's funny because somebody used to say that when i used to wear this vest before and i've had it for a little while it's one of my favorite uh, clothing items and it's getting a little colder here in los angeles you know 
you, you start to feel that chill, that ocean breeze gets a little nippier. I like it. It is no leaves changing out here. So it's basically the only way you can tell that it's fall. So yeah, I'm, I, I love my little life preserver vest, even though I have no idea what that reference is other than you're referencing back to the future, which I still have never seen. That's right. And you are defying me and that's fine. One of these days, one of these days, the planets will align in a manner that results in you having no choice but to watch back to the future. <laughs> At the Super Bowl, you're going to hold my eyes open like Clockwork that guy orange. in Bird Box. Clockwork yeah, Orange. Well, that's don't even okay, need to do it with your fingers. I, that's it. That's I've used that <laughs> gift before. I don't know what that is either. Clockwork Orange when they they had a little contraption to hold the eyes open to force. Oh. I think it was Malcolm McDowell. It was a it was a group of British hooligans who wreaked havoc all over the countryside and this was the the way to desensitize them to it or get them to st- i don't know i can't remember it's an okay. old movie and i haven't seen it in a very long time but that's a very jarring sure. image where they well, hold their eyes open with these little clamps reverse clamps. that's why i was referencing bird box it's yeah. a little more more modern of a reference you know yeah. and i and british hooligans the only british hooligans i know are the ones that tell packers fans to shove where they shove their cheese well you know that cheese has been stuck up there for several weeks now the, the yeah the packers may need a laxative frankly <laughs> and they get one next week in the form of the detroit lions so if they can't oh, win that goodness. one if they may never win another game in the history <sighs> of the franchise let's start there sunday night football as we often do except when it's the Dolphins, because I hate the Dolphins, so I ignored their win last week over the Steelers for pretty much the whole show. At least that was the feedback that I got. And it's so mm-hmm. funny how it's funny how this goes. Let me grant me thirty seconds or less, or maybe more. I'll sit back. So one of the reasons I can deal with the hostility that I experience sometimes in this position, whether it's on Twitter in the comments, anytime somebody emails me something. Like that, you you hate the Dolphins and f this and f that and filth and floor and floor and filth. If I respond, the next response back is like we're best friends, and it's it's like what happened to that other person that was telling me what a worthless piece of crap I am. But I, as I told my wife the first time she ever made the mistake of reviewing the comments posted at PFT. The passion that gets people to say those things is the passion that draws them to the sport, brings them to our place of business in the first place. So I can deal with the venom because I know that it's just kind of a facade, that that's just the way people get. They get passionate about their teams and they get upset when their teams aren't getting appropriate respect from those of us who are supposed to be completely objective and neutral, and anytime we say anything remotely negative about their team, Miles, we hate their team, we hate their city, we hate their families, we hate them personally. That's the conclusion that they draw. Yeah, I know. Well, and I can tell you that the only franchise I truly hate is the Ratbirds that reside in Baltimore, but I still say plenty of nice things about their team anyway. You mean the team that used to be the Browns, that once was the Browns? Yes, exactly. Yes. The, the team that has our Hall of Fame tight end as its general manager emeritus or whatever they call him these days, Ozzie Newsome. Yes, that that team. Yeah. And the team that actually fired Bill Belichick, but these Browns get blamed for firing Bill Belichick. Exactly. Yes, it's true. The unnamed Baltimore franchise fired Bill Belichick in February 1996. But it's always who the Browns fired Bill Belichick. I know. 
He didn't. Congratulations, Bill that's Belichick, on passing here. George Hallis. I don't, I don't know. That's what you've been workshopping that. I don't know who that's supposed <laughs> to be, but it's better than this. <laughs> Although I kind of like that. I've gotten used to that. I've got to be careful on this chair. I'll fall right off of it. But, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to it. Bills win their fourth in a row. Packers lose their fourth in a row. Holy crap. Now, we expected this from the Bills. At one point, we thought this game, week eight, Sunday night, would be kind of like maybe a Super Bowl preview. No, unless we just focus no. on you know, one of the two teams involved in the Super Bowl. The Bills, 6-1, and one, best record in the AFC. Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things. Not a huge night, but good enough. 218 passing yards, a couple of touchdowns, also two picks. Kept it from being a blowout. Stephon Diggs had a big night. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the closing line was. I think it was more than 10. Final score, 27-17. If it was more than 10, obviously, the Packers cover. If it was right on 10, it's a push, and the, the house keeps the vig. But uh, I, I expected it to be worse than it was, and it felt like it was going to be worse than it was. I almost feel like Buffalo's foot slipped off the gas pedal in the second half, and they just really didn't they, – they never felt compelled to try to put it back on. You know what's funny? Sometimes teams, when you're so good like that, sometimes you get bored a little bit. You know, and, and that's kind of what it felt like to me. I mean, you talk about Josh Allen's night. I mean, those two picks were just kind of inexplicably bad throws. There were some throws he missed toward the end of the game as well. And I mean, I think he told Melissa Stark after the game that game felt gross to him as the terms of a win. And that's what you can do when you're one of those really, really good teams. You you kind of have the ability to mess around a little bit. I mean, like that pick right there is just something that's bad from Josh Allen. You're early on in the fourth quarter. You really just want to go down the field, get some points, get a touchdown, seal the win, and then everybody's happy and everybody's going home and you can put in Case Keenum and you can feel good about yourself for the rest of the night. They weren't able to do that. You know, the Bills were not able to really shut that thing down and definitively put it away in the way that they really should have done. So I don't know if they're just getting a little bit bored or what, but that's the kind of thing where you can get away with that in the middle of the season when you're playing a Green Bay Packers team that is clearly not at your caliber. But if you're not putting teams away when you get to late December into January, then that's going to turn into a problem. But for yesterday, it obviously was not. Yeah, but you're right. That's the kind of performance where if you're not careful, it disrupts you on your path to the inevitable yes. rematch, otherwise inevitable rematch with the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's continues to be my big concern that one of those two teams chiefs bills stub their toe lose a game and rob everyone including themselves of what would be an epic afc championship well who knows our expectations are probably too high at this point i don't know that they can get any higher after what we saw from those two teams last year but we all expect them hope that they will cross paths again all due respect to the other teams in the afc that would like to keep that from happening the Bills yeah. have shown signs, though, of the ability. And I keep looking for a dominant team. And there's this argument now, the Bills are better than the Eagles, even though the Bills have a loss and the Eagles don't. I, I'm, and and I, I saw Peter King has the Bills ahead of the Eagles. He's done a rough ranking of the 32 teams almost halfway through the season. I still put weight in being unbeaten. And, you know, the the quality that we saw yesterday, last night from the Bills, that contributed to what happened to them when they lost their only game, September 25 against Miami. They ridiculously outplayed the Dolphins, but it's just enough of a little 
lackadaisical quality to their play that creates an opening for someone to beat them. And, you know, the, the, the Eagles, and we'll talk about the Eagles later, but they were facing an opponent that could have been very dangerous yesterday, and they won by 22. They didn't screw around. They didn't mess around. They didn't put themselves in a position where it could even be a conversation of that team possibly coming back and making it a game and or beating them. And, and that's where the Bills need to aspire to be if they want to comfortably be the number one seed in the AFC. Well, right. Yes. And that's what I mean by when I'm talking about Josh Allen and, you know, the, him talking about it feeling gross and those throws and it's this and it's that. And, and I, I like Josh Allen. I like the way he plays. I think he's a great, great player, but I think that there are sometimes those lapses where he like gets back into 2018, Josh Allen, you know, 2019, Josh Allen, where you just saw him kind of make errors that you just aren't accustomed to him making anymore and you know when you have the kind of weapons that he has with Stefan Diggs with Gabe Davis with McKenzie you know all these guys that are really really good Dawson Knox you just expect that level of play to be at a certain height right and when it doesn't get there and you see that these turnovers keep the other team in the game when that other team really did not have a shot I mean look the, the Packers as, as much as they have Aaron Rodgers and as good as Aaron Rodgers can be, they don't have the horses right now. So when you have a situation like that, you want to be like the Eagles where you remove all doubt earlier on in that matchup. So that you're not coming down the stretch. And it's kind of like, uh Oh, you know, wait, <laughs> there might be this little sliver of an opening for Aaron Rodgers to do, uh, you know, holy Aaron Rodgers stuff. And then, you know, we're in a really bad spot. You just don't want that to happen. So I think that the Bills are good. And we can say, like, whether or not they're better than the Eagles. I mean, it's hard for me to say that I'm picking any team over Josh Allen right now, given how I know how well Josh Allen can play, even though the Eagles are really, really, really good. And Jalen Hurts is playing as good as anybody. But it's just this ability right here. Where it's third and 14, and Josh Allen doesn't necessarily have anybody to throw the ball to. And he's just like, hey guys, hey, hey, block for me, all right? I'm just gonna lower my shoulder a little bit. I'm gonna run it down the field. I was shocked that he didn't get into the end zone right there, because usually he does. But then he has this option right here too, where it's like, oh, I think he's gonna run. I think he's gonna run. No, he flips the ball to the end zone and he's hitting Dawson Knox, and it's a better play for him because he's preserving his body a little bit more. And that's one of those things we kept talking about early on in the season. I mean, how many times is Josh Allen going to take those hits? When he's making plays like that, where he's making you think that he's going to run and then he flips it into the end zone, sort of a la Patrick Mahomes, that's just a better football play, I think, if you're a QB. I think to summarize my feelings on the Bills, and we agree on this, I believe, when you get their full focus, if they were to play the Eagles – this week mm -hmm. they wouldn't screw around and find out they wouldn't put themselves yes. in a position where they potentially right. would be vulnerable they are susceptible to losing in a game where they're not locked in when they're locked in mm -hmm. they can beat anybody when they're not locked in they can lose to anybody and even though last night's game was never in serious doubt it never felt like the ass-kicking that I thought it was going to be. Changing the guard statement game. It just wasn't. One of the reasons it wasn't. We'll flip it over to the Packers now. Got to right. give them credit for their game plan. And at one point last week when Sims and I were 
riffing on whatever the Packers may or may not do, I said, you know, you're actually in a spot where you're better off just trying to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and keep Josh Allen and company on the sidelines. And you look at the numbers from the Green Bay offense, they ran the ball plenty. When you consider Mm -hmm. that you've got Aaron Rodgers – 20 rushes by Aaron Jones for 143 yards, 10 from A.J. Dillon for 54, 30 total passes from Aaron Rodgers. You don't expect that kind of 50-50 balance from a team that's got a franchise quarterback. But if the goal is ultimately to control one statistic, points scored versus points allowed, that's kind of the way you have to play the Bills, and they didn't even get away from it when it was 27-10. They kept with that formula. They had this faith that this is the way to do it. And maybe at some level, Miles, what they were trying to do was avoid 45-10, to 10, was avoid having the floodgates open. You don't want a demoralizing loss. You know, they say there's no such thing as moral victories. You hear that all the time. But I think there's a real difference for this Packers team to having the crap kicked out of them by the Bills versus – playing them within the spread, within the margin. That, and, and, it, and, and so you come away from it because I continue to believe very strongly that the Packers, if they get to the playoffs as a wild card, six seed, seven seed range in the NFC, and they still could, yeah. they could be very dangerous in January. We saw them win the Super Bowl as the last team in in 2010. I think – the mindset that Aaron Rodgers articulated last week about we can play freer as the underdog, it's kind of good to be the underdog, I think that actually helps them in the postseason because when they're the one seed, they seize up. we got too much to lose. All those weeks of work, everything that we built, it's all in jeopardy now as we host the 49ers in the divisional round, a team that we are better than in all phases except special teams, which was the problem. But – I, I, I really do think, and that's what they're on track for now at three and five, to get in the hard way and then give everyone a hard time once they get there. I mean, you talk about moral victories. And I don't know much of this is a moral victory or not, but when you are able to run the ball like that, it seems like they kind of found something, right? And, and even though that didn't work last night against the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills aren't on your schedule for the rest of the season unless you make it to the biggest stage, right? So I think in doing that, they probably did find a little something offensively where they can finally get some rhythm, finally get, I don't know, a little bit of continuity going, a little bit of just flow and something that they can take into next week and then the next week and then the next week and start stacking those blocks off of that. Because when you run the ball that well and you still have a quarterback who can throw it as Aaron Rodgers can throw it, that opens up really everything for your offense because it means that the linebackers can't just stay steady and wait for you know somebody to try to come open on the second level. Like You, you have to come up and try to stop the run. I, I think... It's great you mentioned, you know, that they've got the Detroit Lions next week. Look, that's a struggling football team, okay? So if you can't go out there, run the ball, execute your plan against them, then you're not going to get it right, probably. So I think that establishing the fact that you can really run the ball when you want to against a team like the Buffalo Bills, then we'll have you be able to say in this coming week, all right, let's build off of that. 
What can we do where we know we can run the ball effectively and let's get after one of these division rivals that we have? I, I think the Packers might have found something last night, even in that loss. There are no moral victories, but you can get demoralized. And it could have been a demoralizing yeah. loss last night for the Packers where they just feel like that's it. It's done. Mm-hmm. It's over. It's not. Even though they lost, it's not over. Let's hear a little bit from Bill's pass rusher, Vaughn Miller, on the fact that the Packers utilized an offensive game plan so heavily reliant on the run. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. You know, I was, I was shocked that they ran the ball so much. You know, they had uh, Aaron Rodgers and, you know, I was just, you know, by, by previous bouts, you know, I was just expecting him to, you know, have a little bit more control. So I, I was kind of anticipating him you know, passing the ball a little bit more, and they just kept running and running and running. And I think, you know, for me personally, it just, it just caught me on guard, and I had, like, some lanes open where they can run the ball and stuff because, you know, I was just playing the, the pass. I'm looking at the scoreboard, and I'm, I'm seeing that we're up by 17 points, and, you know, it's two minutes left in the third quarter, and I'm, you know, thinking that, you know, they got to start passing the ball soon. But, nope, they just kept running, and, and they ran the ball well. I think I figured out Vaughn Miller's Halloween costume based upon What's what he that? Combination of Elmer Fudd, Kirk Cousins, Browns fan. That's my. It's a it's a okay. it's a it's a trifecta for Von Miller. Um, where, and where does the chain fit into all of that? that? That's Kirk Cousins. He's making fun of Kirk Cousins with all. You know, we see him with the, they they have him wear the chains now, like on the uh, coming um, back from Miami. You got to keep up with the sport that you cover. Kirk Cousins wearing the chains. That's a thing now. All right. Um, <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, the other side of this, too, the Bills have to – because what, what are teams going to do? They're going to be exploring. They're going to be probing. They're going to be looking for anything they can use to try to beat the Bills. So yeah. now you've got to think about upcoming opponents run heavy. Hey, mm-hmm. my son who is drinking the purple Kool-Aid in Minneapolis as much as I tell him, it's just like the other Kool-Aid that they drank some 43 years ago. It's it's not it's not going to nourish you in any way, shape, or form. Um, is it long, enough time has passed that we can make light of that? Anyway, uh, the Vikings go to Buffalo in two weeks, and I told my son as he was exulting about the fact that the Vikings beat the Cardinals yesterday. The ass kicking is just 14 days away now, 13 days, and he gets mad at me. But you know what? They got Dalvin Cook and they got Alexander Madison. Maybe they try the same thing. Run heavy. Keep Josh Allen off the field. Yeah. Get him a little frustrated. Maybe get them to think that, you know, even though the Vikings are the most fraudulent 6-1 and team I've ever seen, and maybe if the Bills agree with me, they're not as locked in. They're not as focused. It's not like the Eagles are coming to town. So maybe there's something there. A, a glimmer of a blueprint. You, usually we seize on blueprints if they result in a victory. Maybe this is a glimmer of something you can try to do against the Bills. Run the ball, control the clock, keep Josh Allen on the sidelines. It didn't work for the Packers, but it kept them from losing by 30 or more points. 
Well, I, I think it didn't work for the Packers. I mean, going back to what Bob Miller was saying is because they, they don't have the horses on the outside, at least at this point, who can really beat you in terms of the wide receivers. I mean, think about who wasn't out there last night and all these people that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the established trust with, right? Randall Cobb is on injured reserve. Alan Lazard wasn't playing. He has a shoulder injury. You got Christian Watson. He went out with a concussion very early on in the game. And I don't even know if, if Aaron Rodgers trusts him all that much. So, I mean, you're, you're getting Romeo Dobbs coming up with a huge play in the end zone. Obviously, he gets that touchdown. I mean, Unbelievable it's like, catch. Oh, yeah. Therefore, out thou Romeo, right? My goodness. I mean, this is that's an outstanding catch. I don't understand the best that reference. Well, yes. Well, that's because you didn't know you don't understand Shakespeare. You know, that, that's what that is right there. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I just, I feel like if you can get more plays like that, then yeah, you're going to throw it more on the outside, but it's just that they don't have that chemistry yet. So what are you going to do? You're going to run the ball because that's the way you feel like you can move it. So I, there's just not that chemistry established timing that you have with your guys yet when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers. But I mean, if Dobbs can keep making plays like this and the one that he had in the end zone too, then yeah, that's going to come along quicker. And I guess I should mention Sammy Watkins too is another one of those guys. But like I said, it's just the chemistry's not there yet. But if you make plays like that, then that's going to help it. The theory slash hot take that Sims and I have been cooking up ties Aaron Rodgers' unwillingness to trust his young receivers with his unwillingness to jeopardize his one claim as being the greatest of all time, that ridiculous touchdown-to-interception ratio, those specialty stats that people look mm. at and say, this is the proof that he is the one, even though he only has one Super Bowl championship. He has some other path to making the argument of GOAT status. He doesn't want to undermine that this year by just throwing the ball into coverage, not knowing whether or not his receiver is going to you know, actually catch the ball or the defensive back is going to catch it. So I think they got a little something going on. And I also liked, I don't typically condone the chippiness. I liked seeing a little chippiness from the Packers last night. You know, when you have a team that's kind of sleepwalking through the season, you have a quarterback who calls guys out for mental mistakes, you could very easily turn within yourself and implode, but they expressed that outwardly. Jair Alexander getting into it with Stephon Diggs repeatedly. Now, look, the Packers lost, but they're not backing down to anybody, even one of the best receivers right now in football. And, uh, yes, it ended up being a victory for Stephon Diggs, and Stephon Diggs isn't going to back down. But I kind of liked it. We even saw it late in the game, down 10, defensive linemen chirping at the Bills. It, there's just – I. I I, I like that spirit. I like to see a little emotion. Again, I don't like it when it crosses the line into anything extracurricular, but football is an emotional yeah. sport. I like seeing some of that happen from a team that is otherwise dangerously moving toward, let's just start thinking about next season territory. Yeah, the, I mean, there's chippiness, and then there's shoving a practice squad player on the sideline that ideal. gets you ejected. Not right? ideal. Yeah. Who's like, trying to help you up? Who was trying right. to help you up? I know. <laughs> like, talk about overreaction, bro. Like, ew, ew, calm down a little bit, man. But that's, and Matt LaFleur said that that's something that's unacceptable, right? He has zero tolerance for that, and that's right. So you have to, you have to toe that line. I don't think zero it tolerance means, it means what he thinks. If he, if he has zero tolerance for it, that well, means he's going to cut the guy today. 
I mean, like you can't. You can, what? Well, yeah, it's yeah, easy gonna, to say zero that, tolerance. Right? It's harder to actually live zero tolerance. That's all I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. Yes, but I think you know when you're talking about a game, and then the guy gets himself ejected, then yeah, you can't have any tolerance for that kind of behavior. Well, you have no choice. You have no choice. He's been ejected. You can't give him a pass. <laughs> yes, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of, I guess it is also sort of easy to say that you don't have any tolerance for it when the decision about tolerance is taken out of uh, your hands. But yeah, I mean, you had to play with an edge if you're the Packers, right? I mean, at this point, you are kind of an underdog going into different things. You're an underdog. You're not probably going to win the division. I mean, you're so far behind in that to the Vikings. So oh, they'll find a way to blow it. You have to go and no, you have to. I've seen this movie before. The Vikings will what? find a way. They'll find a way. Oh, Mike, you know, I, I mean, I understand this, this mentality that you've got, but you know what? Like if you're winning, you, you got to just stand there and be like, all right, come at me, man. It's the same mentality I, I was talking about with my mom a couple years ago when the Browns were actually good. A lot of good that did us, you know, in a couple years ago in 2020, but still, you know, like when you're, when you're good, you got to get a stand there and stand tall and be like, you know what? This is who we are this year. You know, let's go bring it. We want Houston if you're the Yankees and then you get swept. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shout out baseball. Yes. Uh, what's going on in the World Series anyway? It's one-to-one. Uh, oh, wow. The series shifts to Philly uh, tonight. Yeah. They play tonight. Mm-hmm. They're going up against Browns, Bengals. How dare they? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's better that than Sunday night football, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, one last thing before we move on to the next game. We do have to hear Stephon Diggs talking about the beef with Jair Alexander because I always yes. love to hear from Stephon Diggs on any topic, but I have a feeling on this one it'll be worth your time. Let's have a listen. I don't know who started. I finished it. You know I got a one. I got the win. It's not a, uh, I don't deal with more victories. I don't deal with one-on-one battles because this is not a one-on-one game. We're not out there playing seven-on-seven, and this is not one-on-ones. If that's the case, I'm by myself. But it's a team effort. You know what I'm saying? I got a dub. Stephon Diggs also looked like he messed up his shoulder at one point, came down hard, and then there was a clip of him on the sideline. He bit his tongue, and it, like you could see the blood in his mouth. And yeah. I thought of a movie character who got his tongue frozen or stuck to a frozen flagpole. Do you get that? Christmas story. Do you get that? All right, that's good. It was a Filmed movie in Cleveland, 80s. baby. I oh, yeah, I get that. Filmed in Cleveland. It was Cleveland Street. It wasn't Cleveland, though. The setting was the setting Cleveland in the movie. I don't think they ever no, said it is, was it, Cleveland it's, Street. It's like a random city in Indiana that may or may not be made up. But yes, it, it was filmed in Cleveland and downtown Cleveland figures heavily, especially in the opening of that movie where they're showing the Higby building. Higby. Oh, yeah. I always think of that movie whenever the Rams tight end. Tyler Higby does anything. Higby's department what store. A, what a broadcasting pro you are as we segue to our next game. That's right. Uh, the Rams losing yet again. And it's so funny because when one team owns another team, as thoroughly as the 49ers own the Rams, everybody wants to get ahead of the moment where it changes. And, of course, it did change in the game that counted the most that it could count when yeah. they met in the playoffs. But regular season, Kyle Shanahan just systematically takes down Sean McVay every time they get together. And, oh, this is the time the Rams are going to change. They had a bye week. They had extra time. It, it, it just doesn't matter if your players aren't as good as they need to be. And for the 49ers, the one key is health. 
And the 49ers mm-hmm. are the team in the NFC that could beat anyone. They could beat the Bills. They could beat the Eagles. They could beat anyone. I think they would beat the Vikings, frankly, by 10 or more if they crossed paths. The 49ers are going to be built. If they can keep their people healthy, McCaffrey, Bosa, Hufanga, the key players, Kittle, Debo. Hell, they got it done yesterday without Debo. But if they keep enough, a critical mass of their key players healthy, they can beat anyone. And we saw that yesterday. And Christian McCaffrey uh, paying dividends. First time since 2005 that in the same game there's been by one player, touchdown pass, touchdown reception, touchdown run. LaDainian Tomlinson did it back in 05. Look at that catch from Christian McCaffrey. I mean, awesome. Again, there's no denying his talent. I wrote that the night that the trade happened. If he's healthy, he's unstoppable. But running backs get injured. It's not about Mm -hmm. them. It's about the position. You're getting hit from every angle. You've got 300-pound guys. The physics don't help you. It, It just feels inevitable. The question is, can you stave it off through the end of the regular season and through the postseason? And if they can... Christian McCaffrey is going to help the 49ers do everything that they've been trying to do the past several years. Yeah. You know, it's funny though, Mike. I mean, I always say this, especially since 2019, basically the Rams are never as bad as they look against the 49ers and the 49ers, especially Jimmy Garoppolo are never as good as they look against the Rams. And so that's going to be the issue. Can they really sustain this high level of play because if you look at it, okay, Kyle Shanahan uh, is nine and three against Sean McVay and 34 and 43 against everybody else. And Sean McVay is three and nine against Kyle Shanahan and 55 and 21 against everybody else in the league. Pick that up from Greg Beecham of the Associated Press, who tweeted that out last night. So look, it's, it looked great for the 49ers yesterday. And Jimmy Garoppolo completing 84% of his passes. It's the best completion rate since Steve Young in 1997 for a 49ers quarterback. That's amazing. But that's just them against the Rams. Let's see them against another team. Let's see them against another team in the NFC West. That's why I tweeted out last night, like, when do the 49ers and the Seahawks play again? Because to me, that's more of what this is going to be about. Because Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, they always play great against Los Angeles. They always play great in Levi's South, as they love to call it, because that stadium yesterday was full of red, and it sounded like a 49ers home game. Okay, and it just does. That's the way it works here in L.A. with that team and those teams where they play, you know, whenever they play. So let's see him do it against somebody else. Because, yeah, Christian McCaffrey's great, and Christian McCaffrey's going to be able to make those kinds of plays against anybody, probably. But is Jimmy Garoppolo going to play like that against everybody? I mean, evidence says, no, he's not. That's why they went out and they got Trey Lance in the first place. So I'm pumping the brakes on the 49ers a little bit, even though I do think they should be very good. I don't know if they're actually going to be very good. Well, look, one of the big factors in how good they will be is their schedule. They go into their bye week now. They've got the Chargers. They're at the Cardinals, Saints, Dolphins, Buccaneers, at the Seahawks, Week 15, that is a Thursday night game. Hello, Washington Commanders at the Raiders, Cardinals. There's a lot of games there that are winnable for the 49ers. And as I said, 
This is a very dangerous team in January if they're healthy. They're a very right. dangerous team week in and week out. They're one of the few teams that is capable of being dominant if they're healthy. And but they can also lose, Mike. I mean, they, 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 a couple weeks ago, they just got blasted by the Atlanta Falcons. Well, it's because, it's be, again, when that critical mass of players healthy, is injured, yeah. that's the key. It's know, just If still. just enough guys are hurt, they fall apart. And I fell well, victim it, it, to thinking it's the 49ers. They're rounding into form. They're playing well. I don't care that a few key players are injured. Kyle Shanahan will find a way. It's just, when they're missing a certain number of guys, that's when it happens. And they did. Mike they got Vrabel finds a way. I don't know. Well, Vrabel does. Well, Vrabel does. Shanahan needs to figure out how to do it because at some point between now and Week 18, and/or the playoffs, they will have a game where they've got to dig deep. Christian McCaffrey, and I'm not. I, oh, you're jinxing him. Look, the guy plays running back. By virtue of he jinxes himself by playing running back. You're asking for it. It's just a matter of time. It's one of the great areas of respect I have for all professional athletes all football players, especially running backs. You put in all that time and effort to fine-tune your body, and you know what's going to happen to it. At some point, something's going to break, and you got to go back, get it fixed, rehab, work, 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 fine-tune and hone your body again, and then go do it all over again, knowing full well you're going to be back in that same spot, and it's lather, rinse, repeat. I want to address one thing you said, though, because I, I continue to be fascinated by the L.A. dynamic. Sean McVay, okay. Rams coach, said on Friday that the 49ers fans travel well. And they do. Well, but they're not traveling, though. How many of them are actually coming down from San Francisco? And how many of them are already in L.A.? Because the NFL abandoned the market for 20 years. This is a yeah. fundamental component. The NFL never should have left L.A. Because when you yes. take away both teams and no one's there for a generation – and yeah. you're still going to broadcast your games in L.A., what happens? You lock onto whatever team you just choose to lock onto. And in a huge market like that, you're going to have a significant nucleus of 49ers fans, of Chiefs fans, of Steelers fans, of Cowboys fans, when they're going to Oxnard every year for training camp, yeah. of every team except for a select few, and they know who they are. You're going to have that. So when that team comes to town – those fans are going to overpower the fans of the home team because where's yes. the natural fan base of the home team? Even after the Rams win the freaking Super Bowl, there aren't enough dedicated Ram fans to refuse to sell their tickets to the 49ers fans who are anxious to come watch the 49ers play. It's, I don't know what it's going to take, and maybe it's going to take 20 years to reverse it. I don't know, yeah. but, but that's the product. I thank you for indulging me while I make that point, but that's the product of abandoning the market for uh, 20 years. The Rams Absolutely. fans may go ahead. I'll let you comment on that before. But, I move on. Well, yeah. I mean, having look, we're having worked for the organization in question right here with the Los Angeles Rams, obviously that's, it's something that you just have to deal with. Right. I mean, a, the, their money's green too. So those tickets are sold. Stan doesn't like, care. Great, Stan doesn't care. Really and now all these That's teams are getting saying. a taste every time but, they do the resale transaction. But right, exactly. So like it's it's one of those things where yeah, their money is green. So like yes, can welcome on in. But at the same time, you know, if you're the marketing team, you're kind of like ah, I don't I don't like seeing all this red here. 
you know? And then eventually it's kind of be like, man, why is there all this red? Like, why is it that we have to go silent count if you're the Rams, right? You're thinking, man, we have to go silent count here at home, but Jimmy Garoppolo is going out with his verbal cadence. It's annoying. It's one of those things that you kind of just have to deal with. And I think after this time that Sean McVay has been in uh, this city and been coaching here, uh, he understands what the dynamic is going to be. So it just kind of is what it is. But it's one of those things where you're right. If you abandon this market as the NFL did for as long as it did, right, you're not going to have those built-in Rams fans. You're not going to have those built-in Chargers fans. Those, those folks are, you know, hours down the, the five in San Diego. That's where those people live. So, you know, it's going to take time. It is going to take probably a generation to really build up the Rams fan base. It certainly does not hurt when you win a Super Bowl and you can put up those banners in SoFi Stadium, but it's not. It, it's not going to happen overnight. Uh, the Rams know that. I, I know the Rams know that. By the way, one last point on the 49ers. There's another item we need to take care of with the Rams. As to the 49ers, though, I think I asked Peter King. I know I asked him on Friday. The yeah. over-under on touches for Christian McCaffrey in his second game. Oh, you and did? It, yes, I and, listened. Yes, and I did. think he said 26. Because mm-hmm. 26 is what he had. So, kudos to Peter Bang King. Hang on. 18 rushes. Well, actually, it's 27. Does the pass count as a touch? 18 rushes. I don't know. Eight receptions and one pass. So 26 touches plus a throw. Only 10 days after being traded by the Carolina Panthers. And now he has two weeks to get ready for the next game against the Chargers. They won't be back at SoFi for that one, though. The Chargers come to Levi's Stadium, the not home away from home for the San Francisco 49ers. All right, uh, bad news for the Rams, potentially. We don't know how this is going to play out. But, and we're in the studio last night, either getting ready for the show, the show starts, and they've got monitors, and we're watching it. And I saw somebody on the ground for the Rams. It's like, I think that's number 10. That's not good if that's number 10. And then they show the replay, and he goes down. His leg gets caught. You can see the look on his face. Ankle injury for Cooper Cup. Look at the bottom of the screen. Look at the situation. 31 to 14 with under a minute and a half to play. What are you doing with your best players out there? Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. Why? There's a certain point where you just need to throw in the towel because Mm -hmm. this is what happens. And Sean McVay knows it. He comes straight out to see what's up with Cooper Cup. You see it there. You see his face. Leg gets caught, ankle injury. Let's hear Sean McVay after the game talking about what happened to Cooper Cup with just a minute left in the contest. I'm not sure. You know, I, that's why he wanted to try to be smart getting out of the game, and I'm, I'm kicking myself for, you know, not running the football again, but I'm hopeful that he's okay. It looked like it was his ankle um, when I was out there with uh, Dr. Ella Charles. And... It is the ankle. The ankle was wrapped in the mm-hmm. locker room. That was the account from reporters who were on the scene. And Cooper Cup told reporters that he'll have to see how it responds over the next few days. But he thinks he dodged a bullet, which obviously great news for the Buccaneers. They go or the Buccaneers, the Rams. They go to play the Buccaneers. Excuse me on Sunday in Tampa Bay. They need Cooper Cup for that one. Who would have thought three and four versus three and five is what's looming? Not the Fox. Rams and the Buccaneers reprise their their epic playoff game from last year when Tom Brady brought the Bucks all the way back and then and then uh, the Tampa Bay defense allowed Matthew Stafford to connect with Cup for the game-winning field goal. 
Cup may not be playing in that game, and if he is, he may be hampered by that ankle injury, Miles. Yeah, and that's just one of those situations where Sean McVay knows better, and he said he's kicking himself for it. And, I mean, look, Dan Campbell said it best. A true alpha knows when it's time to concede. The Rams should have been conceding in that situation, right? Get John Wolford out there or just run the ball with Malcolm Brown. Do something. Get get out of take there. Take knees right? at that because point. That game's just over. take knees. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's over. You're not going to score 17 right. points in 90 seconds. No. It's over. Especially it doing that underneath stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're yeah. going to if you're if you're going to start uncorking Hail Marys and you're playing the very low percentages, fine. But they weren't even really trying no. to score there. It's just, no. you know, let's just run some reps. It's it's a lesson yeah. to every coach out there. It is that the injury can happen and it can happen to a key player. Get your key players off the field. Know when to concede. Take a take a page from the Dan Campbell playbook and. The true alpha knows when to concede, and uh, I love Lions, that. it's probably time for the Lions to concede in more oh. ways than one. Let's take a break. We won't be talking about the Lions when we return. We'll be talking about how the top teams in the NFC keep rolling along. We'll do that when this Monday edition of PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 